The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brown with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about headless commerce, what it is, how to do it well, and why it makes sense for more and more brands. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Jim Tattersall, founder and CTO at Rotate. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Greg. Super looking forward to uh, having a chat with you today. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to talking about this topic. It's definitely, I know it's top of mind for for me and the the brands that I work with, as well as many others here. So definitely a, a timely one. So um, why don't we start with you giving a little background on your own background, as well as a little bit about Rotate. Cool. So I've been programming since uh, the late 90s, probably, which ages me horrifically. <laughs> I worked as head of digital in quite a few record labels for a while. Had an agency before this one where we worked on kind of um, large kind of online apps like Microsoft and Xbox and Toshiba. And actually, that's where a lot of the methodologies I kind of took across from there to um, to Rotate, which is current agency that I kind of have. I've been running it for 10 years this year. Um, we're an e-commerce studio based in London. Um, we're just uh, we're kind of a, a lean team, thirty specialists like in cross-functional teams, engineers, designers, product managers, SEO, data analysts, all this kind of stuff. And in in essence, we kind of design, build, and grow DTC uh, brands, e-commerce websites. Like, and our clients are the likes of um, Tracksmith if you're into running, Rafa if you're into cycling, uh, Big Green Egg, Chili, Sun God, uh, that kind of stuff. Basically, kind of brands that we kind of uh, feel an affinity with and we kind of love working with. So we're, we're super blessed and uh, yeah, loving it. Great, great. Well, and congrats on on ten years. I know having having done something similar myself, it's 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 not easy. But congrats on that milestone. <laughs> Cheers! I'll expect a birthday cake and post. Great. <laughs> Absolutely, awesome. So yeah, let's let's dive in here. So you know, headless or composable commerce is now very much a prime consideration for many leading brands, but that wasn't always the case. So for those that may be a little less familiar with the terminology of headless or composable, 
Can you give a definition of what do we mean by this? And, you know, particularly when, when it comes to commerce. Yeah, cool. So first of all, and I think this is quite big, maybe like misconception around this, but headless is almost kind of like a subset of composable. So composable is about composing almost like a custom architecture with like Lego blocks, if you will, around the needs of like the business or the kind of customer. So rather than having what was kind of historically, you know, like a monolith, like a system, like a Shopify, for instance, which does everything, it kind of handles every single part of the experience uh, from the front end to all the back end logic, emails to the customers, all this kind of stuff. Composable is where you kind of break this out and you compose something based on your needs. So one service might do email, another might do discounting. And so you kind of break all these parts out and kind of compose this architecture. Now, headless kind of comes into that because the headless part of this is when you kind of take the kind of front-end user experience, that kind of core user experience, and you kind of break that away from all the back-end logic. So that's where kind of like headless and composable, they're sometimes used kind of um, almost as the same thing, but headless is, as I said, a bit of a subset of composable architecture, um, which is a kind of a larger kind of piece, whereas headless is just taking out that user experience and pulling that away from all the back-end logic. I hope that makes sense, Greg. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it, yeah it, does. it does. Cool, uh, it does. It's helpful. It's like the square rectangle kind of um, definition, right? It's like one, one is part of the other, but it's uh, composable is a bigger, a broader kind of segment. Is that is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, headless is generally part of your journey towards, you know, a fully kind of composable system and architecture. So you were pretty early to this trend in how brands approach commerce. So what led you to the headless approach? So ultimately, it came down to problems that needed solving for brands. And I think that kind of journey that we made nine years ago for some of our clients, many brands are kind of making today. So ultimately, it came down to wanting to have greater creative control of the experience, being very kind of customer centric and kind of going actually we're too limited in terms of um, the current tooling that we have available to kind of really push that experience to where we want it to kind of be so that was like the initial driver for why we kind of moved towards headless i think over time there became you know a lot of benefits became very apparent um after a kind of a year of kind of you know running with this approach uh, which became almost far more valuable than that initial kind of um creativity angle that we had i think the biggest one for me is that loss of learnings which kind of happens when you have everything within a single system so when you have a monolithic system and you decide that you want to change one thing often you have to rip up everything and start again and that's when you have these kind of big rebuilds we didn't want to do that with any of our clients and proud to say like clients that we've had for like nine years six years seven years whatever it is we've never done a complete rebuild for any of them everything is iteration you build up learnings you know uh, over time and the idea of losing those regardless of the size of the business seems incredibly detrimental and counterintuitive so you know if you're a massive enterprise brand you wouldn't want to do that why would you have to kind of settle for that if you're an SME so yeah it started off with a greater creative control greater control over the customer experience but over time it led to a bigger kind of idea about making sure that you're kind of building up learnings, um, you're kind of iterating that, and you're kind of finding the right kind of pieces to kind of work for the current challenges for the business. And that can evolve over time rather than having to, when you have a new challenge, ripping it all up and starting again, which was pretty depressing. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I want to I want to get into that a little bit more in a minute. But just first, you know, as far as the the overall trend of headless, uh, would you say that, uh, you know, this is something that's being considered, you know, as a top option for brands? Now, obviously, uh, you know, some some were doing it, you know, back when you started your, your agency, of course, but is this consistently something that more and more brands are considering and you know what what do you think caused this this increase in, in consideration yeah so i don't think there's been a, a large e-com rebuild that i've seen in the last few years where i haven't seen you know go kind of either fully composable or at the very least kind of headless yeah i think the drive i said is kind of probably fairly similar to the initial drivers that we had where you know there has kind of brands mature and there becomes a greater uh, focus on like um, true kind of product, a sense of product where, you know, you're focusing on the customer experience and how that kind of looks and the kind of competitive pressures that you have. You have to find ways of making sure that that customer experience is kind of first and foremost. And therefore people start to go into the headless space because they need to be kind of like unshackled from like yeah. some of these historical kind of like uh, monolithic systems where it's quite restrictive in terms of what they can kind of do. So I think that's been one of the drivers. Also in the last few years, a lot of the platforms have made it easier, especially yeah, in the last kind of three years, have made it easier to kind of build out into a headless, um, build out a headless storefront or a headless website experience. So it's kind of a mix of the technology getting to a place where those larger e-commerce platforms, you know, making it easier to kind of break out into a, you know, headlessly. But also they're becoming more kind of a competitive kind of strain in terms of having to do that, the more brands that move to these, you know, richer kind of customer experiences, the more pressure there is for kind of people to move. So it's kind of been fairly, um, you know, if you back eight years ago, hardly anyone was doing it and platforms weren't making it very easy to do it. And over the, it's been kind of like exponential growth. Um, as it's, we've seen that, especially yeah. in the last kind of like six years. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com agile, that's partnerhero.com A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. So, you know, you mentioned one of the, one of the benefits of, of headless and, you know, and just to kind of reiterate that and just how disruptive completely, you know, scrapping everything and starting over is, I mean, having run an agency that did a lot of website redesigns and, you know, enterprise website redesigns, large projects, expensive projects, costly, timely, you know, all, all of these things and just, you know, there's, there's a lot of, 
of waste involved in that too that that you also refer to you know there's there's all the learnings that you have all of a sudden day zero it's it's one way day one it's completely different and you know that's disruptive for for the customers as as well as for the for the business so you know in in looking at all of this you touched on some of the value proposition of of headless but you know how how would you characterize it in general is just you know what's what what value can can brands expect from taking this approach yeah so i think especially well especially around like composable architecture like if you're building a tailored solution to your problems and to the opportunities that the business has that's obviously hugely beneficial right so rather than kind of going okay what does this e-commerce platform do out of the box that works for me you're kind of going actually each business has their own kind of problems their own challenges their own opportunities and therefore building a system that kind of is very empathetic towards that and you know if search is really important or if accounts is really important or whatever it is that you can kind of build a system that is you know best in breed for what you need that didn't mean to sound like a tagline but it did unfortunately (laughs) um but also like there's reduced vendor lock-in so Rather than being tied to, you know, said you build everything up in one system, every time you're kind of investing work in that, you're investing that all within this kind of single platform. When you kind of have like a composable architecture, everything has to be far more kind of data centric and you're not tied to any any single one vendor is, you know, to the same degree that you would be. So, you know, if you kind of go, okay, we, we want to swap out even e-commerce platform, that might now be quite a small part if it's pure e-commerce you know, transactional e-commerce, that might be quite a small part of actually this entire architecture versus, oh, I want to change e-commerce platform. Oh, that'd be a real pain. I'd have to change absolutely everything, which is kind of where you are if yeah. you're not in a, in a composable world. I think also the big thing for me is like we talked about, you know, ripping up learnings and stuff is that the business challenges you have today won't be the same business challenges you have in two years time. So building a platform that can evolve and is malleable to, to that is super important. You know, today you might be like, oh, you know, we're going to leverage these te- technologies. I mean, for instance, um, your interview with uh, Scott Love, is it like uh, episode 387, you know, from uh, uh, yeah. Lovelytics? You know, talking about how like data is a first class citizen and how you have to get that right and how, you know, the importance of AI. And actually, yeah. all of a sudden, if that's important for your business, not being tied to anything and kind of going, okay, now we need to evolve our architecture to kind of now factor this in. And that data piece is massive because if you talk about these, a composable architecture, ultimately everything is talking to each other through clean data. So automatically data and the quality of data becomes a real first-class citizen, which then means, okay, now we're introducing something like AI or really advanced like natural language search, whatever it is, the data is already there and you're just kind of plugging it into a, you know, another kind of like system. And as we said before, you know, lots of learnings, it's, unbelievable i mean if you are a marketeer or you know you're you're kind of working in strategy for a business and you've kind of built up all these learnings of a customer the idea that every three years you're ripping this up and starting again is horrific right so the idea that the system just gradually evolves i mean chili's bottles is a good example i mean yeah probably i know eight years just evolved it never ripped anything up kind of got the good architectural underpinnings of a composable architecture and then from there just replaced bits and pieces over the years a bit like terrible analogy but you know seven years pretty much everything in your body's kind of being replaced but they all replace at different times right your front end might replace every three years but something like your erp or your e-commerce platform that might be six seven years plus so 
you kind of swap out the bits as and when rather than this kind of let's rip everything up and start it all again and and lose all this data but i'm rambling yeah. on i'm sorry I, <laughs> I, I, yeah but i think for me they're kind of like some of the kind of key you know like value propositions as you say like you know that kind of composable and headless kind of commerce really offers to businesses yeah no absolutely and uh, you know i think from you certainly i'm a i'm a proponent of, of agile i've got the the six sigma background as well and so you know even from the 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 structure of a good test alone is you know you can't you can't have a good control if you literally throw everything out and do something different one day versus the next right so i think just that it's not really a good ab test if you know everything about b is completely different than a so you know i i think for for the marketers out there that are are thinking about you know how to truly test and improve like this this kind of this approach makes a lot of sense yeah a hundred i mean a hundred percent and on that ab you know testing kind of perspective i mean another drive for us was the fact that we wanted to split test every single change we made you know yeah validate it you know obviously you, you run you know prototypes and user testing and all this kind of stuff but eventually it goes out in the wild and you you want to validate like the return on investment for this work that you've done and, and all this kind of stuff and most e-commerce platforms aren't really allowing you to do that so whether you're going headless or fully composable the idea of kind of picking a platform where you can do true you know split testing and uh, you know to kind of validate this kind of stuff is 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 absolutely crucial they're the sort of opportunities if that's important to the business, they're the opportunities that kind of going kind of headless can offer. Yeah, yeah. So um, for those maybe that are less sold on on this approach from the start, you know, what what are maybe some misconceptions that that organizations might have about kind of proceeding down this this path of headless or, or you know just composable in general? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, lots of you know, misconceptions and misunderstandings. I mean, the first is that headless and composable are not the same thing. Like, I, right. I guess we've kind of touched, hopefully, on some of these. Um, yeah. And weirdly, some headless solutions can go against composable beliefs. And what I mean by that is you can go headless, but weirdly be more tied to an e-commerce platform. So Shopify, for instance, I love Shopify been a partner for 10 years like they're great platform and really great on so many levels but they have their headless solution but that's creating greater vendor lock-in to, to shopify and that's kind of dangerous i think another really dangerous trend is um when people kind of becoming very kind of customer focused they kind of think these kind of single page applications and hopefully this isn't like too technical but you have you know these front end um websites or e-commerce experiences where you know you animate between pages and it all kind of feels you know really nice and kind of smooth the danger is is that people see that as being headless in it on its own and ultimately people start chasing a bit of a trend rather than maybe chasing actual business needs and problems to be solved uh, finally i think what is misunderstood is actually it can be more complex if we're not focusing on the right things and when you do go headless, you do potentially sacrifice convenience that you have. Obviously, if you have a monolithic system, everything's in one place. It can all communicate very nicely together. And in the case of something like Shopify, you're getting a lot out of the box because it all talks nicely, talks nicely to each other. When you kind of break out of that to something that is really structured around your, your business needs, all of a sudden things can get more complex and you have to be pretty careful around that. You don't um, kind of create you don't all of a sudden become, you know, overly complex. 
and you're not ending yeah. up maintaining a system rather than focusing on like business challenges. And you can see that, right, where businesses all of a sudden start focusing on maintaining a system rather than actually how can we improve the customer experience. And then over time, that can you know lead to obviously a loss of velocity yeah. for those teams. Yeah. So, yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about operationalizing this. So, you know, for those organizations that they've, they've made a strategic decision to to head down this path, lots of reasons why to do it, um, as, as we discussed, but what does an organization need to do internally to operationalize this, this approach to, to its fullest extent? Yeah. I mean, I think data, data is super important. And as I kind of yeah. you know, touched upon in terms of, you know, whether it's AI or good search or but ultimately in the business, having the data in a clean way is really important. And you need to think about what the source of truth is for that data and where it should be living. Working with like API first vendors. So looking at like SaaS platforms and, and suppliers where they are API first, meaning that actually the way that you interface with them is, you know, predominantly through data and through APIs is always going to help with that. And I think you know, another consideration is, again, you don't want to own all the problems. You want to own your business problems and let other people solve other problems. So when you're kind of looking at kind of creating a composable architecture or, you know, or just a headless, a headless experience, kind of look at the platforms that you're using, making sure that you're kind of finding best in breed and you're handing off your problems, whether it's like privacy or security or, you know, uptime and scaling pushes many of those problems onto third parties, you know, third party SaaS platforms so that you can focus on, you know, working on the challenges that are unique to your business rather than problems that are being solved millions of times over. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something where can, can an organization start small and, and iterate? Like, is it a, you know, is, do you have to commit fully to to this approach or you know how uh, in other words how does an organization kind of start down this path yeah i mean again i think it should never be i don't think headless or composable should be the destination ever ever you know i think the destination is you know you start off by kind of going what are my business problems what am i trying to solve here and then kind of going okay and does how can how can i leverage technology to kind of do this i think you can definitely do this kind of piecemeal and you know there's this ideology of like strangling the monolith right so you've got this monolithic beast this huge you know uh, thing and you kind of go okay well i'm going to start off by just breaking off the front end experience right and that's you know going headless so i'm going to start off by breaking off search and kind of focusing like that actually solving business problems and starting to kind of break down dependencies like bringing in other kind of like systems that play nicely with those, communicate via APIs that kind of are solving direct issues that you have as a business and push you forward. I think as long as you keep that as your as your focus and your goal, I think you're you're going to be in good you know good stead. I think also where possible, avoid big bangs. Like you know, what I'm saying, do you have to do yeah. this big rip it up? It's like well, like you say, from an agile perspective, like why you're building up a risk, you're building up the unknown. Right. So yeah, avoid big bangs where possible, right? So you should absolutely, you know, do start small, do look at like the things that you can kind of change, uh, are solving business problems and kind of moving you away from like those, that risk of, you know, in three years time, we're going to have to rip this up and, uh, and start again. So yeah, start small, you know, focus on business problems and kind of slowly strangle or chip away at that monolith. Yeah. 
Great. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining. Uh, one last question before we go along that, those lines of of starting. You know, what what are maybe some of the you know a business challenge or two that might that might be a sign that an organization should be moving in this direction? You know, what what are some of those pain points that they can then you know start considering this approach in the in the months ahead? Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, as I said, make sure you're not jumping on the bandwagon again, right? You should always be starting with addressing business problems and opportunities and how the technology can be leveraged. I think the key kind of motivators, as I said earlier on, is quite often you're starting to see frustrations within the business. Like you can't move quickly enough. You're not offering like the customer experience you want to offer. You're seeing this kind of from more mature, mature business, you're seeing this kind of cyclical like experience where every three, four years, the site is basically, or the experience is getting worse and worse and worse. And then it's all a rip it up and start again. Um, and then yeah. as I said, look at like the, when you're kind of seeing platform dependencies and getting frustrations around that, right? Like you've invested, invested into a single platform and now you're kind of holding to it rather than being masters of your kind of own destiny. So I'd say the main ones, I think it's great when businesses are kind of being customer, like focusing on the customer experience, because to be honest, most of the things kind of trickle down from there. Even if it's like you're saying, the rip up and learnings kind of um, kind of path where it's like, that's not great for customers, where they one day turn up and it's a completely different experience. Right. And it's not really based on actually any, uh, you know, any real kind of like tests in the wild. Greg, thank you so much for having me on today. It's been great talking to you and... Um, yeah, love the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great to have you as well. Well, again, I'd like to thank Jim Tattersall, founder and CTO at Rotate for joining the show. You can learn more about Jim and Rotate by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.